0: Hi. Welcome to the UNC Trauma Center's Trauma Talks podcast. I'm Charlotte, I'm your host, and I'm the newest member of the UNC Trauma Center's communications team. I'm super excited to be providing you with some information on various safety topics related to your kids and yourself in these upcoming episodes. Today, we'll be talking with Hannah Shoemaker, who is a child passenger safety technician with Safe Kids Worldwide. While Child Passenger Safety Month was last month, this is definitely some timeless information as car seat safety, as you'll hear from Hannah, is a practice, not just a one-time thing. With that, she'll be giving you a lot of tips, misconceptions, myths, and information related to how you can incorporate this practice into your everyday life. With that said, let's hop right into it and get to know Hannah and all the information that she has for us. Hi, Hannah. It's good to talk to you. Could you please introduce yourself and explain the work you do with Safe Kids Worldwide?
1: Sure, yeah. I'm Hannah Shoemaker. I am a child passenger safety technician or CPST in Carborough, North Carolina. And for safe kids, that means that I volunteer uh, mostly related to car seat or air travel safety. A little less of that now, but it does still come up. Um, People come to me usually at one of three points. First, uh, looking for a new seat, it's really complicated. To navigate vehicles and car seats and trying to figure out what's going to match up with their needs. So matching budget and passengers and pets and cargo and the specific vehicle, um, I guide people through that process. Two, I often help people when they've purchased a new seat and they cannot figure out what is not working about it. Um, Trying to get it in the car, maybe they're even in the parking lot at Target and they, they know something's not working. So I'll get emergency messages about that. Help, I can't get it in my car. Um, and sometimes we can work it out through tips and tricks. Sometimes it's not compatible with the vehicle and sometimes they go back into the store to find a different seat that's gonna work better. The third thing that brings me to working with safe kids situations is when there's some kind of change maybe a new car or a new child or another passenger going into the vehicle. Um, maybe parents think that it's time to transition from rear to forward facing or harness to booster or out of a booster. Uh, so that's, that's a common point that people reach out to me. There's also um, situations where people have an adaptive need to be safe during travel, like kids who need to be harnessed longer or adults who can't, use the seat belt in a way that would keep them safe in a crash. So as a CPST, in all of those situations, my job is to make sure that the caregiver and their specific situation um, is navigated in a way so that the individual is able to install their seat in their vehicle, adjust it to fit their kid, and know what they need to know in order to Be aware of next steps and things that they need to be working towards keeping in mind in the future.
0: Great, yeah, it sounds like there's definitely a lot of moving parts when dealing with car seat safety and whatnot. And I'm sure you actually see a lot of common errors related to car seat safety when you're dealing with all of these situations. So, what are like the most frequent mistakes or myths that you notice circulating? relating to car seat safety or when you deal with instances, as you just described?
1: That is a very big question. So yeah, there's, it is complicated and there's a lot of moving parts. Um, The first thing that I want to be clear about is that um, as a CPST, I have seen almost anything you could imagine. And sometimes people are worried about calling or coming in for a check. Um, sometimes people even think that the CPS means Child Protective Services, and it does not. It's for child passenger safety, and that is our job to work with every situation to make sure that kids are leaving safer than they arrived. So starting out there, you are not gonna roll up in a seat check with with something that um, we're unable to get kids into a safer position. Um, All right, myths. The first thing is that expensive seats are more safe. While spending more money on a seat might bring some more convenience features or even safety features, it does not matter how much you spend on a car seat. If it doesn't fit your car, if it doesn't fit your child, if it doesn't fit your needs, or it's not installed and used properly, it is not gonna do its job in a crash. So that's the biggest, the biggest thing that, that I see coming in is people worried about budget when it comes to keeping their kids safe. Um, in my opinion, the biggest return that you can get there is by choosing a seat that meets your needs and then making 100% sure you're using it properly every time in your vehicle. I also see a lot of people come in with aftermarket products, and that's things that didn't come with your seat, like mats under the seat or replacement harness pads or headrests, that kind of thing. Um, manufacturers are really specific about what they actually approve with their seats, and if you ever have a question, you can call them. That is part of what you get along with a, a seat is the ability to call and ask questions, I really encourage parents to do that or caregivers before they um, add anything to their seat or make any alterations. When it comes to errors or misuse, I see a lot of confusion about lower anchors, which are part of the latch system. This was um, a system that the government came up with, intended to be an easy solution for child safety, and that's... um, Surprisingly enough, not the way that it has turned out over time. Um, It's a complicated system to use, and I see a lot of errors around it. Uh, To clarify some of them, sometimes we see um, lower anchors along with seatbelt, and I tell people that it's like glasses and contacts. You choose one or the other. There's A very few um, seats on the market that do allow you to use both at the same time, but that's going to be very clear in your in your manual. Um, I also see people using the lower anchors beyond the weight limit. Those have a limit and that's going to be listed in your manual. And at that point, the, the seat needs to be installed using the seat belt. That is different, unfortunately, from the other part of the latch system, which is the top tether, and that does not have a weight limit, and it does need to be used for every forward-facing, harnessed installation every time. So that can be super confusing for caregivers, navigating that easy latch system. I also see confusion there when they're using the lower anchors or the tether that don't They're not intended for the seat where the child seat is being installed. Maybe they're supposed to be used for the seat beside, or maybe even another seat in the vehicle. So those systems are specific to the location in the car. That's a time that you need to look at your vehicle manual. So it's a good thing to remember that while the lower anchors and the latch system have stipulations, you can always use the seat belt about that belt, I see a lot of times it's not locked. There are different ways that the seat belt will lock. Sometimes um, there's a mechanism in the seat itself. Sometimes we use a locking clip and sometimes we lock the seat belt using part of the the car itself on the belt retractor. But it is important that somehow that belt be locked when we're using it to install a seat. I see in seats that are under-reclined or over-reclined or sometimes even installed in a direction that they were not intended to be installed. Those come in, we work it out. Um, Every single car seat does have a specific angle and range of directions that it is intended to be used in. I see harnesses that are too tight or too loose or not at the right height. That's something that every single car seat is going to have a way to adjust the height as kids grow. Um, for rear facing, we want to see those harness straps fitting across the top of the shoulder like, um, like a backpack, so at or below the shoulder level. And for forward facing, we want to see those straps at or above shoulder level, just like the seat belts that adults use in the car. I want to see the harness straps flat and not twisted or tied up in knots, um, snug along the body, and adjusted to where they're, they're snug. Uh, we do it's called the, the pinch test, where you check right at the collarbone to see if you can pinch any slack out of the strap using your thumb and index finger. Um, I see seats that have been outgrown by limits. There's, um, there's a desire to max out each stage of safety. So we don't want to move on too early, but we also don't want to see anybody in a seat that's outgrown by height or weight or a functional limit like the, um, the height of the head within the hard shell of the seat. So those are those are three limits that every seat has that are important to understand how to navigate as your kid is growing. And the last thing that I see frequently is people move through the stages of safety too quickly. So we have a lot of data that staying rear-facing as long as possible is is a really solid way to keep kids safe in crashes in a properly installed and used seat within its limits. We've got seats now that are very affordable that will keep kids rear-facing to four to six years old. That wasn't true when I was a kid, and it wasn't true when my My 17-year-old was a kid, but we have that now, and we should be doing it. There's a lot of data that supports it. I also see um, a lot of people moving from harness to booster too early. And the thing about a booster is that it's only going to work if your kid is in position. So if it doesn't fit well or your, um, your child is moving around because they don't have the maturity yet, that we don't need to be in a booster yet.
0: Well, thank you for all of that. Definitely a lot of solid information that I'm sure people can use. But do you have any tips for making sure that people are actually executing this practice and making sure that they're keeping their kids safe from just sort of a lay person's perspective?
1: Sure, I do. The first thing is to know that it, it is a practice. It's a practice of car seat safety. It's um, a constant awareness of your current conditions, knowing what to keep an eye on. You know, we try to reduce it to just the two or three things that caregivers need to be thinking about as next steps, because it is huge if you try to approach it as one, one whole organism of safety. So, The the place that I really want caregivers to start is to read their manual, the manual of the car. You don't have to read the whole thing, but the part about child passenger safety, and then to read their, their car seat manual. It is where I start when I'm doing a seat check. No matter how many times I've worked with a particular seat or vehicle, things change and every situation is different. So when you get out that manual and you have a new seat, send in that little card so that you'll get notified of any recalls or issues in the future. They're relatively common that there's some minor adjustment or maybe an updated buckle or chest clip that the manufacturer wants to send you and they can't do that unless you register your seat. The manual will let you know where to start and also what to keep an eye on over time Um, There's adjustments to be made as your your child grows and as conditions change. Inserts need to be removed or um, added at certain weights. The harness height needs to be adjusted. And to keep in mind that switch from lower anchors to seat belt at some point. Uh, I suggest that caregivers make car seat safety part of their routine. So every time you buckle your kid in the car, just take a moment to make sure that it's still properly installed. Sometimes another kid accidentally unbuckles the seatbelt when they're trying to buckle themselves, or we get those growth spurts that happen overnight and suddenly our kid doesn't fit. So it's really good to keep in mind what what your next stage is and and really have a touch on that over time. Something else that I encourage people to make a part of their routine is thinking about projectiles. Uh, This is a place where Crash test videos on YouTube can be very convincing, um, and it does make a big difference in a crash. Even in a very minor collision, anything that's in the car is not—it's—it's going to move. So, a basic rule of thumb is if you do not want to throw it at your child's face, we need to think about where it is in the car and make sure that it's secured. So, beyond thinking about crashes. Car safety should also include um, a routine of thinking about hot car deaths. That is a significant risk when either if a, a child manages to get into an unlocked vehicle or is left in a vehicle accidentally, no matter how much we think it'll never happen to us. Everybody thinks that and it does happen to some people. So making it a routine to always check around your car and supervise kids carefully when they're um, playing around vehicles make sure that they know that if anybody gets into a car they need to move away and even those cameras do have blind spots so making sure as a driver that the space around a vehicle is clear before we start to move a vehicle
0: awesome that's all definitely really important tips and daily practices I'm sure people should be taking I was actually shocked When I was looking a couple days ago at the recall list for just random child safety products recently to be posting about on our Facebook page, and the amount of different car seat products or pieces that I noticed was insane. Mm -hmm. So that's definitely something important to make people aware of, and I'm glad that you mentioned it. With that, I was... Just wondering if you had any sort of information or thing you've noticed in terms of a common time of year or day that you usually see an increase in accidents related to car seats or accidents in general that listeners should be aware of.
1: Yeah. So fortunately, I don't personally work in trauma, but I do work in prevention Um, So when I meet with somebody, my hope is that they will never be in a significant crash. But we're planning for the likelihood that they will. Statistically, that's what we need to do. Um, As far as I'm aware, the data suggests that car crashes are most common when drivers are tired or distracted or impaired somehow. So rush hour in the evening is the most common time of day. The week after daylight savings time has a significant spike because we all just lost an hour of sleep. And as parents, we don't have a whole lot to give there. Um, texting while driving, don't do it. It's significantly more likely to result in a crash than even drunk driving. So those pieces of awareness are a good, they're important to what we talk about when I meet with caregivers. The other thing around accidents related to car seats is that not all car seat related accidents are in the car. Anytime that a child is in a car seat, I wanna see them fully harnessed, fully buckled and snug. Um, If you take a car seat into the grocery store, it needs to go into the cart, not resting on top. Even if it seems like it clicks onto the shopping cart, we see those carts flip over, they're top heavy, it is a significant risk and it happens. The other thing about car seats outside of the car is that they're, they're actually not designed to be safe places for a baby to sleep out of the car. So when it's installed in the car, it's at a safe angle where little ones can maintain their open airway. But once we take it off the base or out of the car, we can't be sure that that recline angle is maintained. And so we see positional asphyxiation or other um, angle-related tragedy. So don't leave kids sleeping in a car seat unattended.
0: Got it. That's really interesting. And I was aware of the times of days that there's a lot of car seat-related incidents, but I wasn't aware of all that extra information. So it's definitely important to note So on that subject, where would you recommend that listeners go for resources related to more car seat safety information or just to get a check, any resources you have to mention?
1: Yeah. So the first thing, um, again, I'm going to say the manual. Know where where it is. Use it frequently. The manufacturer. Um, I think we've got a a list in the show notes of all the manufacturer contact information. Um, You can find installation videos there that are helpful on the manufacturer websites. Sometimes it's worth searching YouTube, but really you got to check the source. Um, There's a lot of videos out there and anybody can Can make a video and put it out there about their car seat, but it's not always going to give you accurate information. Um, I always, always, always suggest having another set of eyes or hands check your car seat. I have mine checked by other techs. Um, It's always worth it. So you never know what another set of eyes is going to find. I make a habit to have sort of a, a buddy system where any other caregiver using the car is also checking or having that active practice of just just having a touch on whether the seat is installed properly. And, and we're um, open to hearing and verifying what what we are noticing.
0: Is there any other information you'd like to share to families related to practicing car seat safety?
1: The last thing that comes to mind uh, for families is to remember that it's not just about the kids. We also need to think about the adult passengers and the driver. So children do model what they see and they're affected by the other, um, safety behaviors in the car. So when I see, um, adults with their feet up on the dashboard or wearing puffy coats or leaning over to sleep on the the window or the side pillar, I'm going to send you to YouTube, again, just a few minutes of Googling crash test videos and whatever adult behavior seems safe in the car will will help caregivers understand why it's not a good idea. Um, anything, including an adult that is not secured properly in a crash, is going to fly around in the car, to be blunt. And that's, that's something that... Um, I think it's important for people to recognize that even if your child is properly secured in a car seat uh, and you're not, they're at risk and so are you.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for all of that. And that concludes everything for today. Thanks again for
1: joining us. Thank you for participating in my greatest fear. <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, thanks, for, thanks for having me. And again, um, reach out to, you can find a tech on buckleupnc.com. That's in the show notes too. Uh, people are starting to do in-person checks, but a lot can be done remotely. And I know that the um, UNC uh, Trauma Prevention Department has an active remote assistance program. So yeah, go forth, keep your kids safe. I don't know. (laughs) That's awesome.
0: We can end it right there. Thank you all so much for tuning into today's episode. I hope you got some valuable information out of it that you can take home to your family, too. As always, if there's any resources that were referenced in the show that you would like to have access to, you can find it in the show notes and on our website,